Solution is the is the fuck. Dilution is the what is it? Dilution is the solution yeah. to pollution. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Horse Talk. Dr. Ardley here. Dr. Timko back in the studio. It's been it's been a little while since we've been together. We had uh, some vacation. Had a little COVID leave there for about two weeks. Doing better now. Uh, people did ask me they're like, "Oh, you've been." You've been real vaccinated, Doc. You've had four vaccines, you still got sick. And I say, yeah, that is true. I still got mild flu-like symptoms, but I did not end up in the hospital or dead. So I think my vaccine uh, I think my vaccine was effective. I am still here to bring in the podcast and Dr. Tim goes back. She had to cover in my absence. So there was no there was no podcasting. We're <laughs> a little a little short staffed. Took a hiatus. <laughs> Took a hiatus. So we thought we would talk about emergencies for a, a couple topics and maybe horses getting wounds and lacerations. We've uh, been inundated recently with horses cutting themselves in all different ways. I guess we wanted to just kind of go through some of the basics that we would want you guys to know about, like when to call us or why we were sent to the hospital. So we'll just kind of go through our thought process on a simple or complex laceration. Have you had any good cases recently, Dr. Timko, that has been uh, you struggled with or had to take some time to sew up? Yeah, and like you mentioned, we've had so many. I feel like in the last two to three weeks, we've had more lacerations than in the last year. <laughs> we have, we've had so many lacerations that Central Supply has told me you were going through bandage material at an uncontrollable rate, and he was confused as to what was happening. Yeah. And... And there's a back order of those sterile bandages that we use. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, it's been bad. So and, and they've been pretty pretty intense ones where, you know, we're there <clears throat> suturing up, covering bone up for a couple hours. In this sweaty, gross heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not been pleasant. When, when should a client call the vet or at least notify their veterinarian, do you think? I think it's important that... Anytime you're worried about a cut, you know, there's probably some reason to be worried about it. So it's never wrong to give your veterinarian, whether it's us or someone else, a call to, you know, ask us, is this a wound in a location or depth or size that we need to be concerned about? Never wrong to call, but especially if it's over a joint, pock, fetlock, stifle, any of those areas are going to be extremely important to have a vet look at, even if they're really little. Yeah, and why is that though? So, you know, a joint infection, those wounds can allow bacteria to get into the joint and then you wind up with a, a pretty big issue that's going to need hospitalization, even if it started with just a tiny little wound that's not even suturable. Right, yeah, they get like little penetrating wounds, mm -hmm. the bacteria gets in there, sets up shop. The joint is a pretty naive area there's not a lot of white blood cells in there to fight off infection quickly mm -hmm. so the bacteria get set up and then you get septic arthritis yeah and uh, we know how bad regular arthritis is if you get septic arthritis you can have like a joint cartilage eaten away in a, mm -hmm. like a week yeah and these horses are gonna be really painful maybe not right off the bat because the infection hasn't set in but yeah once that happens they'll that's key i remember when i was first in practice i don't know how this horse is still alive it had <laughs> A wound they didn't think they should call us about it was right over the carpus mm -hmm. I could put my so right over the horse's knee I could put my finger into the horse's bones <laughs> and feel the bones of the horse and I was like oh god we should this is real bad and they're like we just 
we're just going to put on some SMZs and see what happens. And I was like, okay. I have no idea how that horse lived or if it's still like alive <laughs> to this day. I never followed up with them again. But yeah. So if you can see bone anywhere, it's yeah, bad. Give us a call. Evaluate it. <laughs> evaluate it. And I think the biggest thing that we do with our clientele is they can email us or text mm-hmm. us. Usually email us after, after hours once they call into the hospital. We can evaluate the photos if you don't know maybe all the anatomy. Because there are some... Like on the back of the hawk, right? There's little bursts back there that's Real not bad place. Yeah. Anywhere, anytime there's one there. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. I've had to euthanize like two horses yeah. for that. That they didn't get that taken care of. Got septic bursitis there, mm-hmm. and it ate away at the calcaneus, and that was the end of the horse. Yeah. Hawk. And I had one good case where the client's like, "Hey, doc, come look at this," and we saw it, and, we're, and it didn't respond to antibiotics and original perfusion the first day or two. And I was like, "Go to the hospital," yeah. and they laid it down on the table, flushed it out. The horse is. Now successful, but it was, you know, $5,000 later to save mm-hmm. a small, maybe quarter-inch cut. And they're not deep either. They're, they're not deep. No. Yeah, always send us the photo of, um, of if you think it's if it's bad. If you can, like, I think for the skin, like, you try to, like, pull it apart, and it's not pulled apart, and it's not really that deep, you're probably okay. Like, some mm-hmm. small wounds like that. Before we get there, what should the client be doing? So, you know, we were kind of discussing what we would like the, the wound to have ready for us, basically. So if it's covered in mud, you're bringing the horse in from a muddy field, it, it wouldn't be wrong to just kind of cold hose it off. It'll help with any inflammation and edema, but also just make the wound clean for us to evaluate when we get there. But as far as putting any topicals on, you really don't need to put anything else on the wound because it'll make it even harder for us to kind of evaluate if it's gooped up with. Totally, yeah. People will slather on some bull violet yeah. oil or scarlet <laughs> oil, and I'm like, what the hell did this horse get into? Yeah. They're like, oh, it's scarlet oil, Doc. I'm like, this is the wrong time period. <laughs> scarlet oil is later on in the healing process. Like, if you have to do anything... I guess you could put some triple antibiotic yeah. on, but it, it is in petroleum jelly, mm-hmm. so it does make it slipperier for us to do. We'll um, probably just take it off. We're going to wash it off anyways. <laughs> um, if we're going to be there in an hour or two, I don't think you need to do it. Just hose it off really good. Um, one of the other issues, we had a horse that uh, ran into a fence post mm-hmm. and got a, got a huge wound in his ass, and uh, <laughs> she was worried he was going to bleed to death. Mm-hmm. So how much bleeding can a horse do before it dies? Horses can lose a lot of a lot of blood. They're really big animals, so it might look to us visually like they're bleeding out or you know have an immense amount of blood loss. But when we have our blood donors and donate blood to other horses, we're we're taking like eight liters of blood from them. So eight liters, they can yeah. lose a lot of blood before it becomes an extreme emergency. I mean, any time a wound is bleeding and not. Um, you know, stopping, we should come out and evaluate it and get that process going. But, you know, they, they are capable of losing what looks yeah. like a lot. And so in this case, the, the, we had the client kind of stuff some clean ish mm-hmm. towels in there to kind of help form a clot. Yeah. We get a, every once in a while, we always get the old penetrating the spear into the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, those come in the door. So if you just like in a human, if you got something that's penetrating into a, into a vital structure. Probably should leave it there. Yeah, don't don't try to remove it. Because um, removing it, you know, it might be kind of setting against a vessel or you might lacerate a vessel on your way out or it's blocking, you know, the hole right now and you remove it and now there's an open wound into the chest. Yeah, so if you, if it's holding the chest cavity under negative pressure 
and you pull it out and the air rushes in, you've just collapsed that horse's lungs and then the horse can't breathe. And we're not there yet. <laughs> and we're not there yet. And we don't have oxygen or anything to like help remove the air mm-hmm. from the chest. That's going to be bad. I don't know. Yeah, so I guess unless they are stuck to an object that they're having, <laughs> that they're freaking out about, leave leave whatever leave it, it is. Leave in. it there. Probably the best advice is leave it in place. And the same with uh, when it, I think everyone knows or should know if a horse steps on a nail, leave the nail in place so we can evaluate what structures it went into radiographically. So any foreign object, if we're going to X-ray or ultrasound, I try to leave it there. I had one horse. The horse went into the fence post. It, it was a older horse. He reached over the fence and snapped the fence, and he got wood in his neck. Mm-hmm. And the client just pulled the wood out and thought mm-hmm. nothing of it. And then th- three days later, she called us, and she's like, ah, it's kind of swollen still. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, probably should come out and evaluate it. And uh, it started having gas under mm-hmm. the skin. So the horse ended up having a clostridial disease because pieces of wood were left in the skin. Yeah. Yeah. I had a case where a horse had an old wound over six months ago due to a penetrating wood but like mm-hmm. of yeah. some sort in its hind end and that horse got tetanus from it yeah like six months later wow so i guess uh, and that goes to yeah why tetanus <laughs> vaccines are important so our botulism case it wasn't botulism so it was the cluster myositis case it was a good case it took uh the horse like four months to recover if the trainer's listening she uh she said she was mad because I, I was saving the horse and I gave dispense at metronidazole, which was very expensive. <laughs> but uh, the, the trainer did uh, did send me a thank you letter four months later because the horse went back to riding. Like, wounds will heal, but you just have to manage them. And I think managing expectations is important for these things. So that's why when we go to the farm, we are going to do a lot of diagnostics on the farm to try to give the client the most uh, most information possible to make a decision as what to what they want to do. Some wounds are not going to heal. It's not a clean surgery, right? If we go in and we do a colic surgery, that colic incision will heal in 14 days. The horse will be probably pretty good to go back to like light riding in a couple months. These wounds though, because they're dirty, they, they're not going to heal quickly. You don't expect that when the vet comes out to suture it back together that magically it's going to be healed in 14 days. Yeah. It's, it's not how the body works. Yeah, these are not uh, one and done suture removal yeah. 14 days yeah. later and you're yeah. good to go. Yeah, so, uh, so put a little extra money aside because we're going to be there for a while if you wanted to heal correctly. So, okay, when we go to the farm, a lot of times we'll bring out the x-ray machine and the clients look at us like we have five heads because they're like, this horse is bleeding. So why why do you, why do we want to yeah. X-ray? <laughs> yeah, it happened recently where and I mean everybody was okay with it, but we're radiographing a horse while there's a little bleeder just like yeah. spurting out. So that's not a major concern. But anytime we have bone exposed, we're gonna want to do radiographs because um, there's a risk that that horse maybe had a fracture associated with whatever they cut themselves on, or down the road if they don't end up healing they can get infections in their bone and it's good to have baseline radiographs to compare as soon as you hit the periosteum the small little skin that covers bone you're you're setting yourself up for bone infection because you cut the blood supply off and if you don't know what it looked like previously bone infection we can manage some of them on the farm we go in there and debride it 
it depends on how well the horse has behaved. But if you get a sequestrum, we've removed some sequestrums on the farm, but you need to know why we're going after mm -hmm. it. And so baseline radiographs. We had a broken humerus the other day. Mm -hmm. Horse got kicked, had some cuts on it, but we're, I mean, the horse had a dropped elbow, so we knew it was a broken humerus, but or a radial nerve paralysis. But we needed to x-ray it before we did anything else. And, you know, yeah. you, we cannot fix a humeral fracture. Yeah. Not well. And if we radiograph these first and find an abnormality on the bone or yeah. a fracture, we're going to go ahead and just refer it into the hospital before spending three hours doing yep. the suture removal or yeah. suture um, placement. Yeah, and it's going to cost, yeah, save you guys money, really, mm -hmm. is what we're doing. Sometimes we'll want to tap the joint. There's a couple different ways why we would tap the joint, right? So we talked about infection earlier, which is bad in the mm -hmm. joint. Sometimes we tap them to distend them. Mm -hmm. So we put a bunch of fluid in there to see does the fluid leak out of them. Also, you can flush them on the farm. Mm -hmm. um, have you done any of those flushes recently? Um, I haven't done any flushes recently, but we did tap um, one of the hawk joints not that long ago on a, on a wound that came very close. Mm -hmm. like it was suspiciously close, and luckily it did not. We distended the joint and nothing came out the wound, so we felt a lot better about suturing that horse up on the farm. Because if it is in the joint, it's going to change the prognosis. Yeah dramatically and the price and the price and where we're going to treat it and where we're going to treat it and i think the other thing too is sometimes i don't always tap the joints if there's a lot of swelling because mm -hmm. i'm worried i'm going to drag more bacteria your vet might not always tap the joint depending on how much how swollen the tissue is and if they can get into the joint how quickly you got there after yeah, the wound exactly if it's like an hour later mm -hmm. we can probably tap it if it's like end of the end of the day or the next day mm -hmm. Ooh, there could be a lot of bacteria under yeah. the skin that we could drag into this the This one was within an hour and a half, yeah. so not much swelling, no infection set in yet, so... It is in the joint. How are we going to manage it? First is going to be recommending referral to the hospital so that they can go in, likely get dropped under general anesthesia, and do an arthroscopy or just a joint flush under anesthesia to really treat that bacterial infection or risk of bacterial infection in the joint. And that's the best is to put them on the table and to flush it and the arthroscopy portal so the on the farm the largest needle would probably put in a joint and be maybe a 14. It's pretty big needle but the, like these arthroscopy portals aren't even needles they're they're ports mm -hmm. so they can flush liters. 30 liters <laughs> like in an hour through that joint and dilution is the solution to pollution so you know, you gotta dilute all the bacteria out of there. So that's why we'd wanna put them on the table. And also they can go in there with the, with the camera and see what's happened to the joint to see if the cartilage is messed up. At Ohio State, that's gonna cost you about 2,500, I think, for that procedure alone, not hospitalization. But it's the best thing to do. And you might, it's really honestly the best thing. You spend the money up front, flush that joint out. They can suture it together, know it's really clean in a sterile environment. So without that, you may never have a horse that's rideable yeah. afterwards if, if right. their infection is not taken care of appropriately. Yeah, so don't want to wait for these. There's been a couple cases where we don't suture it right. Uh, one was uh, a horse we sent in that had a hock laceration. He had so much swelling and edema, we wanted to bandage it first to try to get it to get tighter and and that seemed to help to put to close the suture have you had any like that they've waited staged kind of we've had some where they aren't on a distal distal limb but maybe in a lot of the musculature so in the hind end or the shoulder if they're kind of a really deep wound you don't necessarily just want to 
close that skin over even if you can because they have an ability to then brew an infection deep in there so you kind of want those wounds to heal from the inside out versus just kind of closing that top layer up and, and hoping everything goes okay on the inside yeah that's a really good i didn't even think of that yeah deep deep puncture wounds where you've had some bacteria that gets seeded really deep mm -hmm. in there kind of like well i've seen this happen in human medicine i had a technician that got bit by a dog oh, and they went yeah. to the er and the er sutured it <laughs> guess what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to remove her sutures because <laughs> she was getting abscesses underneath the sutures. Yeah, let's just say my experience with the human MDs recently has not been, not been so great. All right, might not always suture it, especially high up. I agree. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot to sometimes if it's if really it's deep, deep. Yeah, if it's deep, I'm gonna leave it open because like the horse I talked about with the fence post that got clostridiomyositis, mm -hmm. we're setting up shop for clostridiomyositis. And we can, you can manage an open wound in a horse mm -hmm. pretty easy. And they heal really quick, so it might yeah. be a really big, deep wound. But yeah. if we leave you with materials to flush and clean, it will granulate in and, and heal yeah. you know, a couple of weeks. A, it's amazing how fast they There's a ton in. of blood supply. Lower limbs, not so good. Upper limbs, where there's a bunch of muscle, it'll heal quickly. And the face. Mm -hmm. The face likes to heal. The other thing we always ask the client is the last time the horse got its tetanus shot. Mm -hmm. How how often do you like to booster these horses tetanus? So normally, not like with our practice, we come out twice a year, spring and fall vaccines. So they're they're usually boosted at least twice a year. But if it's been a couple months since their last tetanus, and we go out for a laceration or a puncture wound, I'll go ahead and just booster tetanus alone because I have had a horse that was up to date, what you would consider up to date. A horse got a nail in the foot and. A week later had tetanus and yeah, was boosted. Right. You don't always know how well you mounted an immune mm -hmm. response to the one vaccine. I think the tetanus shot costs like ten dollars yeah. for the client. So <laughs> let's just go ahead. It's not gonna cause autism in the horse. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's not, there's not a microchip in there. The horse will survive this tetanus booster. Yeah, it's an yeah. important part. If it's been more than about three months, I usually yeah. booster yeah. it. It's pretty, in, it, you know, if I don't have tetanus on the truck that night, I might come back the next mm -hmm. day to give it a shot. So um, we usually recommend them to be on stall rest. Yeah, especially on those distal limb wounds. Mm -hmm. They they need to be able to rest if they're over a joint to be able to heal if they keep having motion those wounds those edges are never going to oppose and stay together they need they need that time to to heal yeah no matter how big a bandage we put on there yeah <laughs> you need to keep the horse in the stall it's the hardest part i think for these mm -hmm. clients horses right because the horses are, are herd animals they want to go out with their buddies and we another horse might have to suffer and, and stay inside Hang to keep, with keep his buddy quiet I have used acepromazine tablets. I've used reserpine. Trazodone. Trazodone. So there are drugs your veterinarian can prescribe for you to kind of take the edge off. I haven't had much good success with trazodone. Um, I have to say I haven't used it as much out in the field. Mm -hmm. I've used it more for, okay. for mares post-folding. Okay. But um, I think there's a, a variety of dosages okay. that can be used. But it's it's kind of pricey. Reserpine has some side effects. Mm -hmm. Diarrhea. 
it seems to work pretty good. Yeah. I don't, it's an old kind of blood pressure med. I think sometimes we just make them too hypotensive so they can't move. Because <laughs> I have had one horse that was recumbent in the field because I overdosed him by accident <laughs> and he wouldn't get up. And I was like, all right, we're going to stop the reserping now. No more reserping powder for you. Um, but yeah, it, I think his blood pressure is probably like 20. And he's like, I'm just gonna lay here. he's a little lightheaded. <laughs> Don't make your horse lightheaded with reserpine, but it, prescribe it a lot. I've not had a lot of issues with it. Antibiotics. Do you, are you going to keep them on antibiotics post-op or yeah. post? Yeah. And we'll probably give antibiotics multiple ways. So, you know, if we tap the joint, we'll put antibiotics into the joint. Um, a distal limb wound will probably do what's called a regional limb perfusion where we tie a tourniquet on really tight and administer antibiotics directly into the leg. Or and or systemic antibiotics. Yeah, and the regional limb perfusion that like increases the tissue concentration. I don't know, mm -hmm. 10, 20 fold or something. And yeah. some of those antibiotics will last in that tissue for forty eight hours, which I think is which is why we do them. I mm -hmm. anytime I'm probably gonna do regional limb perfusion that day mm -hmm. or the next day. It also helps when I'm suturing it up to, sh to slow the blood supply. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll put the tourniquet on, yep. start the. Regional, do the suture placement mm -hmm. while the regional's going. And, and you only want to keep the tourniquet on like 20 to 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one of our old interns was out at, uh, at one of our teaching horses, and she kept the tourniquet on for an hour. It's probably not a comfortable <laughs> And we were all like, Margaret, what were you doing? She's like, I swear you told me an hour. We're like, Margaret, we never said an hour. You don't want to keep it on that long. The horse does need blood flow to its leg. Um, and they'll get uncomfortable. <laughs> they'll get really uncomfortable. It probably wasn't that tight, but um, she was a really good intern, so I still like to razz her for that. Antibiotics, and then I, ideally coming to the hospital and getting IV antibiotics mm -hmm. is going to be way better than any oral antibiotic we can give on the farm. They get way higher levels, penetration, antimicrobial into, into the tissue. I've been using some honey recently mm -hmm. when I suture these up. Have you have you used honey at all? I don't necessarily know if I've put honey right away, but I would mm -hmm. really like to utilize it maybe a little further down. But, okay. Um, kind of depends on the day, too, yeah. <laughs> in your yeah. mood. But, well, uh, it's it sucks to suture honey yeah. into the wound because you're <laughs> yeah. sticky and stuff. So I'm, I was using, there's a couple of colic papers out when you cut a colic on the mental midline of a horse, you know, some of the bacteria gets in there and, and they get some post-op infections and they showed with honey, they decrease their post-op infections. Did they put it on right after? Yeah, or they put it before, as they sutured it in. As they I was like, yeah, try it. So yeah. I, I've done it on some cases. I don't know if it helps <laughs> anymore, but it is a pain in the ass. Like it is super sticky. <laughs> it's real sticky. It is real sticky. Po Post-suturing, <laughs> it's good. Sometimes I'll jam some triple antibiotic in there too. I've seen a lot of people when I was in uh, my internship, and I, I don't agree with this, is they would use um, mastitis medicine mm -hmm. in, on the wounds. So they would use like amoxicillin or ceftiofur like in that yeah. mastitis cream on the wounds. And, and I don't know, for me, I feel like my systemic antibiotics mm -hmm. and my regional limb perfusion are going to do more than anything topical yeah. at that point. Later on when the wound has kind of fallen right. apart which yeah. we'll talk about i like topicals but initially yeah initially i'm not gonna I don't know no i they're probably not and i don't really know like should we be putting mastitis medicine into a wound like it's meant <laughs> to be in a teat and an udder it's not meant to be in tissue it's probably the ph could be wrong i mean i don't i don't know it just seemed i seen that's how i was taught and i was like yeah i don't think that's right i'm not gonna do that so 
I guess everyone has their own idea. They might, someone might write in and be like, I always do that and I <laughs> save the horse. I'm like, ah, maybe. Maybe that's true. They don't always stay together, do they? They don't. We're no. always real proud right after. It looks amazing. You've covered the bone up. Everything looks good. But unfortunately, that's probably only a matter of 10 to 14 days that it's going to last like that or even less. Mm -hmm. um, these wounds are under a lot of tension. So yeah. the skin is really being pulled to get to get it covered. And we kind of use it more or less as a Band-Aid to help this environment underneath heel and we know it's probably going to fall apart yeah that's what i tell the students a natural bandage is mm -hmm. better i'm going to try to pull it apart i don't know the the tensile strength of our suture is only so good mm -hmm. when we have all these crazy patterns that we do to like pull the like with these pulley systems to pull the skin mm -hmm. together but the skin is only so strong yeah i mean it caught cut in the first part and now we're trying to put it back together and it's under tension because there's not a lot of extra muscle. Like a, mm -hmm. if you if you suture a dog together, it's the easiest thing in the world. They have so mm -hmm. much extra skin and fat. You can pull, you can cut mm -hmm. a little fat out, pull the skin together. It's good to go. Never know. <laughs> you never even know. Horses, they don't have fat on their legs. They don't really. Yeah. Even the fat ones don't have fat on their yeah. legs. So they're still gonna have a hard time. So they fall apart, and you get maximum inflammation of a wound five to seven days. I usually tell clients like it's gonna look really good for the first five days. I bet you day seven, this is gonna fall apart. Mm -hmm. And and some clients get mad at us, like we didn't do a good job. And it's yeah, like, so uh, no. We set up expectations yeah. at the beginning that, that this is for right now and it, it will fall apart. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't, that's Even better. <laughs> like to set up expectations, we tell the client we're gonna suture it as best we can because we want a natural Band-Aid. Whatever edges can grab is great. When it falls apart, how are we gonna manage that? Because I think that's where I feel like people don't expect this long term. Yeah, it's frustrating. The horses get what we call what proud flesh. This granulation tissue, and they do a really good job at filling in those gaps with this granulation tissue. But then it goes the opposite direction, where you see, you know, these big kind of lumpy areas that the skin can't close over. So we have to now manage excess granulation tissue with cutting it off, different topicals, bandaging to try to get that back. And this could take months. Yeah. Months. Way longer than the initial. Yeah, way longer. And if you do nothing, you'll get this huge proud flesh looking thing. It will heal. I mean, horses in nature, I mean, they probably die, but they run into fences and they get these big proud flesh. And if you Google proud flesh and look it up on, on the internet, that's basically someone that let a wound get out of control. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we try to not let that happen. Yeah. We want it to grow back together. And there still might be a scar in there. You have to be careful too with what topicals you put on at this point. Mm -hmm. People sometimes we put on some steroids to try to mm -hmm. decrease granulation tissue, but I've also seen clients who got their hands on some steroids and put it on twice a day. Too much. And <laughs> guess what? It never healed because yeah. steroids <laughs> decrease healing. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have a lot of different topicals. Um, with different dressings that we mm -hmm. utilize to help kind of debride that granulation tissue Yeah, back. we have that special seaweed dressing, mm -hmm. calcium alginate dressings, yeah. honey. Now we can use some honey dressing. So there's a lot of different dressings that we're using. And if you talk to any human nurses in wound care with old people with bed sores, it's mm -hmm. what we're kind of, we're in the wound care industry and it, it takes forever mm -hmm. to get these to heal appropriately. Again, managing your expectations, uh, setting aside a little extra yeah. money because it's going to cost us, cost yeah. time. Even if you bandage it yourself, bandage material is expensive. Yeah, I had one 
probably mid to early June, and we're still in that bandaging phase yeah. following the wound kind of falling apart and granulation tissue forming. So it's not going to, it's going to take a couple of weeks after the suture, sutures come out. Yeah. So you're looking at, if your horse gets a cut, you're going to spend the next three weeks with us. At maybe least. four weeks, <laughs> yeah. maybe six. We've yeah. had some that go forever. So, and we try, we, you know, we don't want to be at your farm every day either. So just because we have a lot of other clients mm -hmm. to service. So we try to go every other day, every third day. They've shown that big stack bandages that, that veterinarians put on, we can keep the pressure for about three days. Mm -hmm. It keeps the lymphatics kind of tight. That, that's another thing. Why do we bandage them? Like, what are we actually doing? Yeah, so we'll, you'll watch us put on all those different layers and pull it real tight. Um, so one is for compression. These guys, if you don't put any compression, they'll get a really kind of big swollen medematous leg. Um, reduce motion, so reduce motion where we put our sutures or if we have granulation tissue forming to kind of reduce the motion and to keep it clean. Yeah. And then some of them, when we really need to reduce the motion, we have put some casts on, mm -hmm. like heel bulbs and stuff like that. Or if it's over the fat lock, I've cast a yeah. couple of them. Again, not easy. We can do it on the farm, um, but it is, it's going to take way more time. Mm -hmm. All right. I think once this heals, can the horse go back to work? Any, like, side effects? Yeah, I mean, once, once they have officially closed over with the skin, they should be good to go back into their normal, normal routine. Yeah, unless they cut a tendon. Yeah, <laughs> then they're gonna have a couple more months. <laughs> couple more months because now you have a tendon in injury, and that's we didn't talk about that earlier. But tendon cutting, lacerating a tendon is not good. That it's would be the other reason to send into the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah, that is it is complex to suture a tendon mm -hmm. to get that to pull back together, yeah. if you can even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have um, for lacerations. If anyone has any additional questions please uh, on Doc Yardley uh, post uh, feel free to ask us about it um, you know if you guys have some like topicals that you've been using for the past 30 years let us know about it we can uh, do a little research but topically wise I think clearly we uh, we said we don't put a whole lot on things triple antibiotic and SSD cream and some honey is what's mm -hmm. what's been shown in the literature to be the most helpful the rest of the stuff is probably just a bunch of crap yeah or so. it has the same things in it or has the same things or has nothing in it like corona cream has like absolutely yeah. nothing in it a little vitamin e or something so all right well that's that's what we have thanks for listening uh stay cool everybody it's been uh, nasty out there and uh make sure your horses are drinking this will be our psa for the day <laughs> we've had some dehydrated horses this past week um, we always recommend hanging two water buckets one that's fresh one with either gatorade or we love here the um the sweet tea a little bit of sweet feed in there little sweet feet on the bottom of the bucket kind of make it um, a little more apt, appetizing for the horse and they usually drink that one right mm -hmm. down I do worry about some of the Gatorades like how much it's how much, sugar they're, how much sugar they're getting in there and whether that's actually making making a difference but keep your horses hydrated folks and keep them out of the direct sun mm -hmm. uh, make sure they have some shelter and um, next week we'll maybe talk about colic or I don't I don't know if you guys have suggestions of common emergencies let us know we are um, we are doing a study about anaplasmosis, which is a tick-borne disease, so we might be reaching out in the next week or two. We might do a podcast about tick-borne diseases, but we do need, uh, if you live in Hawking, Licking, or Fairfield County, or even Muskegon County, um, we need your horse's blood. We are sampling horses um, throughout the year to see if they've been exposed to ticks. The, um, 
the deer tick or exodes tick that passes um, Borrelia burgdorferi, which is Lyme disease, and passes anaplasmosis, phagocytophila, otherwise known as anaplasma. Um, it can also bite you. It is a human disease, and humans can get Lyme disease and anaplasmosis, actually. So, All right, thanks for listening, and have a great day.